This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. We roll on here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't done it anywhere you get your audio. For those folks watching on YouTube, thanks. And also subscribe and hit the notifications bell. Okay, Mo, uh, this past, uh, this past, earlier this week on Tuesday, um, the Raiders and Fanatics, you know, Fanatics, the, the website where you can get all your merchandise and all that stuff, they held a great event. And what out in Las Vegas um, and our David Stepani went out. We're going to hear that report in a second. But to me, it was a really cool event. You know, they, there's all these things when you're in the NFL media, you get help for all these events, especially there in Las Vegas. And um, one of the things that I remember as a kid, and I think we talked about this many, many moons ago on the show, was as a kid, you know, to get your team's jersey, right? To be able to wear, like you grew up in New York as a Raiders fan, I grew up as a Charger fan, uh, and so when you were a little kid, you wanted that jersey of your favorite player. When we were younger, it was still hard to get. It was expensive for your families, but at the same time, today it's even worse, right? You're talking about even replica jerseys run over $100 for kids. And so uh, the Raiders and um, I think the, 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 the David will have it in his report, but I think it was five NFL teams joined with Fanatics. They brought kids out to the Raiders facility in Henderson uh, to to have an event, to a football kind of camp event with Max Crosby, but also they got to walk away with some Raiders merchandise. So let's listen to David's report uh, on merch, merch madness, a lot of M's there, along with uh, the conversation and the questions David had and asked Max Crosby. So here's David Stepanian out at March, March. Okay, help me out here, Mo. I can't talk today. No, he's not going to early morning. <laughs> Merch madness <laughs> out at Raiders facility. Here's David Stepanian. It may be June, but the Raiders partnered with Fanatics to hold their first ever March Madness event. With Fanatics donating Raiders gear such as jerseys, shirts, hats, shoes, you name it, to thousands of Las Vegas youth from various organizations. Kids gathered at the Raiders practice facility in Henderson and ran some light drills and had a chance to toss the pigskin with none other than Max Crosby. At the end of the day, you know, this is my home. Uh, I've been here three years now, and it's the least I could do. You know, I have so much so much love for the city, and the city has so much love for me. And, uh, you know, I would be doing, you know, everybody a disservice if I didn't get back. And, you know, that's just as important as anything is, you know, giving back to the community and help grow in that relationship. You know, I feel like the biggest myth, you know, once you get have more success and things like that, I feel like people always have an out, like, yeah, I'm busy. You know, and at the end of the day, I'm here, like, 99% of the time, so... 
why wouldn't I be here? You know, I try to do everything I can as far as, you know, being a player. So I try to do the same thing off the field, you know, be the best version of myself, give back, um, and show as much love as I possibly can and, and leave my mark and, you know, just continue uh, building relationships in every way I can. Dozens of Fanatics employees made the trip to Vegas and along with Raiders faculty volunteered to organize the event and get the kids to participate in drills and eat snacks before the end of the day when each kid got a few pieces of Raider gear to take home. Yeah, you know, I think they do a great job, you know, all professional leagues of getting involved and getting players involved in the community because at the end of the day, you know, every, like I said, you know, all these kids all have a dream and, you know, most people you know, are, are scared to go chase their dreams and, you know, don't know what's going to happen and take risk. And these kids have an opportunity to see what it's like to, you know, be around some athletes or be around whatever, uh, like you said, any profession. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, it could be just one kid that, that sees that and it makes it, you know, clicks in their brain and be like, listen, I'm, I'm going to chase my dream no matter what. And uh, that's how I feel like most people should live, man. You got you to gotta attack life in every way and, and take a risk and, and, you know, fight for what you want. So... Yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on it. Fanatics teamed up with seven NFL franchises total, donating over $20 million worth of merchandise to young children across the country and hosting an event that kids won't soon forget. For Silver and Black Today, I'm David Stepanian. David, thank you for the report there. At Mo, $20 million in merchandise. Now, I was going to say, I'm listening to the story I think the NFL needs to do more. I'm not saying that they don't do a lot with charity, but I think they need to do more with kids. But, man, how 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 easy is it to like Max Crosby? I mean, the guy is just money when it comes to community work that he does and just being genuinely thankful for what has happened to him and how he's been blessed in his life. I like what he said about being successful. I caught that, and it stuck out to me. He said, as people become more successful, they're less available Oh, they claim to be less available because they have more things on their plate. But here's Max Crosby. He's he's one of the top defenders, one of the top overall defenders in the NFL. Mm-hmm. To me, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. If he were on a, on a better team in the past few years, if the Raiders were a playoff squad, he would get more buzz. And here he is at an event where he he says, look, I, you know, I, basically he's saying, I look, I've made the money. I have the numbers. I have the, the recognition or, and the respect across the league. And I'm still at these events. Because it's important that I give back because these fans support me. And and, and he wants to show that he's thankful for all of that. So yeah. kudos to him for just being a good person. And, of course, we know his background story. So he's grateful for all that and turning his life around in the process of becoming a, one of the prominent players in this league. So I think it all ties into one. And it shows, shows his character. And that's the type of player you want in the locker room. Yeah, and check out the pictures up on Raiders.com of those kids out there, man. I mean, you talk about smiles from this end to this end. I mean, it was huge. Uh, and it, it just made my, it made me feel really good. warm my heart to see those kids walk away with Raider gear that they might not be able to get, uh, especially tell, you know, tough start, the times are tough right now financially for a lot of people. Uh, but for those kids, especially at risk youth, uh, and, and what they're dealing with to be able to hang out with him and, in the Raiders facility and then walk away with a jersey and footballs and hats and stuff like that. Amazing stuff. So thanks to the folks out at Fanatics uh, for inviting us out there. And thanks to David Stepani and our correspondent for the report. All right, we're going to get into now a discussion around Mo's latest column, which we're, if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see up on the screen, up on sportsnot.com, where he is the Raiders columnist. By the way, follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. 
and and Mo, you went through this column that ran on Tuesday talking about three veterans who faced the most pressure ahead of uh, 2023 training camp. And there's a big video there from the Sports Not folks about Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's not one of the guys you talk about, although you could certainly say that he he's in the same bucket. But let's talk through this column now and what you had to say here. And the first guy you start with, and by the way, all three of the guys you mentioned – we one of us picked as one of our pick to click guys. So you obviously have some optimism around some of them. But let's walk through this. And the linebacker position for the Raiders is still a black hole. They need someone somewhere to step in and make some plays and show that they're ready to take that next step up. You start with the Divine Diablo. Talk a little bit about Divine Diablo and and why you have him on this list of the three players. Right, so in our last episode of Silver Black today, Devon Diablo was my one of my picks to to click the Raiders defense simply because now this is second year in Patrick Graham's scheme. In the same token, while I think he's a pick to click, I also think he's under a lot of pressure because if he shows up to training camp in the first couple of weeks of training camp, he doesn't look as, as good as they expect him to look. Having the green dot or being the lead guy at the linebacker position, they're probably going to go out and sign another veteran and I suggested Calvin Noy is probably going to be that guy if they were to sign a better linebacker. Of course, I've been screaming week after week, trade for Patrick Green if he's available. Trade for Patrick <laughs> Green if he's available. But for now, the Raiders don't seem that that interested in 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 getting a an established starting linebacker. They 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 seem to feel like Devon Diablo could be that guy, and they seem to be confident in him because, as I said in the piece, they signed Robert Spillane. And he, he has a modest contract, and they waited to the sixth round to draft the linebacker. So what that tells you is the Von Diablo is that guy. I'm not saying they're handing him the starting position. I'm not saying they're handing him the green dot role. But he's the leader in that clubhouse right now, barring an, another move the Raiders make for a veteran player. So the Von Diablo is under a lot of pressure because if he doesn't perform up to par, then what do the Raiders have at linebacker? Mm. Who's going to be their starting guy? The Von Diablo is underwhelming through the summer. The Raiders are going to have to scramble either through the trade market, through the fragile market, or someone who's cut at the end of August, early September, they're going to have to pick him up and plug him into that defense because they're going to need a lot of help at that position. It's going to have to come from someone other than Devon Diablo, but he's under pressure to be that guy this year at the linebacker position. There you go. And yes, somebody please step up a linebacker or it could be re- <laughs> could be a really rough year. Uh, we're going through Mo's column here as well. And despite his lack of, of appreciation for avocados. Uh, the next player you talk about is offensive tackle Jermaine Illuminor, who was one of our pick to clicks on both for both of us as well. When you talk about him being on this list of veterans, kind of with kind of prove it type years, uh, and and might be prepared to do that. Why Jermaine Illuminor, and and what does he have to do to kind of solidify that position and really take the next step in his career? So on one side, Jermaine Luminar played well as a first-time, full-time starter, right? He took advantage of his opportunity to start. Him and Thea Munford, Munford um, were alternating snaps there, or drives, I should say, at the beginning of the season. He eventually took over that starting role. He didn't allow a sack after week three. He only allowed one sack after week three. He only allowed, he allowed three sacks in total. The Raiders mm-hmm. re-signed him to a deal. It wasn't a lucrative deal, but they did re-sign him. 
But the reason he shows up in this piece as a player under a lot of pressure is because the Raiders are going to replace him. <laughs> if you read, <laughs> if you remember Peter King's piece, Peter King spent the night, the first night with the Raiders in their draft room. The Raiders had Paris Johnson Jr. of Ohio State as one of their top four draft prospects, but the Arizona Cardinals traded up over the Raiders. They swapped with the Detroit Lions, who had the sixth spot, and and they they selected Paris Johnson Jr. So if the Cardinals hadn't traded up, the Raiders might have drafted Jermaine Luminar's replacement. Now, they didn't draft a tackle for the rest of the draft. They didn't sign a, a high-priced free agent, so Jermaine Luminar essentially gets another chance to show why he's a star in this league. But if you look at it and say, well, if things have fell a different way, he may have been competing at the guard spot. So the Raiders don't seem completely sold on Jermaine Illuminar based on Peter King's report that they were going to draft. They were going to start their draft with a tackle. Um, so he has still more to prove, even though he had a pretty good year last year. And I think he, he even admits this on social media. He's very active on social media. Shout out to Jermaine Illuminar, the main show on, on Twitter. He says, this is only the beginning. This is only the start. And he actually, if you see the piece, he actually replied to me in one of my tweets. And he said, look, he understands the penalties happen, but it's not going to be a problem going forward. And that's one of the things that we're, I think we're looking on, um, looking at for him to improve in 2023 is, can he cut down on the penalties? Because penalties? he had 10 last year. Mm -hmm. uh, Colton Miller and, and Dylan Parham only had five, and they were tied for second on the team. So that's one thing where... It's one area where Jermaine Illuminar can improve. He understands that, and I'm sure he's worked on that this offseason. He plans to not have that be a problem. And if that's not a problem and he's still solid in pass protection and his run blocking, I do think he gets a multi-year lucrative contract where the Raiders don't think about replacing him next offseason. Absolutely. That consistency he's spoken about so many times in interviews and uh, on his social media handles as well. So there you go, Jermaine Illuminar. Number three is another guy that I picked to click. You weren't so certain on him. Uh, so let's talk about him. That's safety Trayvon Mooring in his third year now, kind of a make or break. I agree with that. He's either going to return to form like he did in year one and get better at creating turnovers and being a ball hawk, or he could go the other way. Talk us through Trayvon Mooring, what we have to see and, and what the kind of pressure on him is at the safety role. Merrick's in the same boat as Divine Diablo, where they haven't had consistency with defensive play calling. So they had they were drafted to a team that had Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator. Of course, Gruden's co coaching staff out of the door after his email scandal, and Joshua Daniels brings in his staff. So now they had to play under a new system under Patrick Graham last mm -hmm. year. So that could be a part of why Merrick struggled last year. But also, and you talked about this in the last show, he talked about focusing on film study or studying more film. And I think that's part of going to be part of his growth, being a student of the game and understanding his role in Patrick Graham's system. Now he, I like the fact that he didn't point to defensive play calling and inconsistencies as part of the reason why he struggled last year. He put it on himself, self-accountability. Mm -hmm. He said, look, I just, I got to study more. I got to get in the film room more basically. And I have to be a better player based on what I see on film and, and correcting some of my mistakes. So he's in a he's in an interesting situation because right now, as of today, I don't think there's a player that's that's gonna leapfrog Trayvon Merrick on the depth chart. They had they signed Marcus S, but Marcus S has only started one full year with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a special teamer for most of the time in Philadelphia. They did move off of Chris Smith the second in the draft. But this is a fifth-round pick we're talking about. Fifth-round picks aren't expected to start day one, though I do think Chris Smith could take over a starting role. That's not the expectation, whereas Trevor Merrick was drafted in the second round. 
the expectation for that player is to be a starting quality player by year three. So that goes into my point that Merrick is under the pressure where this is a critical year for him. Now he's in the same defensive mm-hmm. system as he was uh, last year. So for consecutive years, he has the same system, same scheme. He has to perform because if he doesn't, the Raiders can call Daron Harmon back. Daron Harmon is still a free agent. Josh Johnson the third, who I suggested in the piece, is also still available. And he has the versatility to play that, that, safe, that hybrid safety slot cornerback role as he's done with the Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Rams. So there are quality players available or veteran savvy players available that can play that Graham can plug and play into the system if Merrick has a disappointing showing through in camp. So he necessarily isn't going to lose his spot to Epps or Smith. He may if he underperforms, but he also has to compete with a couple of free agents, some veteran guys who have a lot more experience than he does. Yeah, and I think it's a good situation because this is where the rubber meets the road. you got to get out there and show what you got. Um, I think he bounces back, uh, So, and I'd like to see him bounce back. It works out better for the, the Raiders, especially the contract he's under right now, and then you don't have as much work. But clearly, they have some doubts because they want to see a lot of competition there. And that may be, maybe they have less doubt than I'm thinking, and they just want to push him to be the best that he can be, so we'll have to see. Make sure you go up and read Mo's piece up on sportsnot.com. If you don't already, um, go read the site. You can see it up there as well. Uh, we have it on the screen if you're watching us on YouTube. But check out uh, Mo's Twitter handle where he links to all his stories as we do too. Uh, and uh, that is when we have access to our silver and black today Twitter handle, Mo. I hadn't <laughs> talked to you about this, but I got a new phone. So I go to log in the account and I have us, our producer, they also, they post stuff there for us as well. And uh, it, I changed the password. It prompted me to change the password, change the password. And then it says, well, this is a suspicious login. So you need to, we need to text you something. So I said, okay. So the text never comes. So then I reach out to Twitter and the three days, four days later, and I still don't have an answer. So anyway, uh, we will usually tweet out most stories from Silver and Black today. I tweet them out. He tweets them out. Look for this one up there. And if you know Elon Musk, tell him to fix our Twitter handle. We're not high enough on the totem pole where we can reach out directly <laughs> to Elon Musk. No, but we do pay the $8 a month, so we should get some kind of customer service. My God. Anyway, all right, that's going to close out segment number two. When we come back, it's time to talk to you. It's time for the Raider Nation mailbag uh, on this late week edition of Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Mo and I will be back right after these words, and we'll hear your words right here on Silver and Black Today. 